Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and our guest is Paulina Ochoa Espejo, an assistant professor of political science at Yale University. Professor Ochoa specializes in contemporary political theory and the history of political thought. Today we talk with her about her book, The Time of Popular Sovereignty, Process and the Democratic State. In it, she offers a new theory of democratic peoplehood, laying the foundations for a new theory of democratic legitimacy. Welcome, Professor Ochoa. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Let's um, talk about your book. What is the question you are trying to address in it? Well, nowadays, everybody is a Democrat. Uh, everybody thinks that democracy is something desirable. And by definition, democracy is the rule of the people. Mm -hmm. But what is the people? That is a question that I'm trying to address. Uh, this is a very important question in the theory of democracy, but it's a question that people tend to take for granted or go around. So, for example, nowadays uh, we have elections in the United States. There's mm -hmm. an electoral process going on. And you hear politicians all the time saying, the American people think, the American people want, the American people think this or that. And at the very same time, you see another politician saying the American people want this other thing that is exactly the opposite of what the first politician said before. And, and suddenly you begin to think that this phrase, the American people, is completely empty, that it really doesn't mean anything. It's just... Uh, a strategic device that politicians use to get ahead of, uh, of the other candidate in an election. But if that were true, if, if you couldn't make sense of what is the people or what the people want or whether the people can decide, then how can you say with a straight face that you're a Democrat? And I think that there's this uh, problem going on that people will say with a straight face that they're a Democrat, but then they do not know how to say that it is the people that actually rules. So that's my main concern. If we are committed Democrats, what would the people have to be in order for democracy to make sense? Okay, and what led you to pursue this? Well, I'm a political theorist, so mm -hmm. you could say that simply trying to make sense of concepts within a theory was enough. But I also believe that theories um, have to be in a given context, and they're only important to the extent that they are in a political historical context that we care about. So it is the political context that I lived through that led me to this question. It's the overlap of my interest in theory and two political events that took place in the last decade that were very, very important for me. The first is the American 2000 election, mm -hmm. and the second one is the 2006 election in Mexico. In the first event, um, I had just arrived in, in, in the United States as a PhD student, mm -hmm. and I remember going to a bar and watching the election returns with my friends, and I remember we all said, okay, let's go to bed, because Florida had been called and Gore was being elected. So we just went to bed, and I remember waking up the next day, and it hadn't been solved. Mm -hmm. And as you remember, it went on for months right. and months. And my main concern there is, how can we say who is making that decision? Who is the people that is eventually going to decide who's going to be the governor of this country, for, or like the president of this country for the next four years? And 
knowing who gets to decide was something that really got me going in trying to figure out who, what is the people and whether it can decide. And this, of course, um, led me to the second event um, that it's very interesting, but it's also interesting for personal reasons. Because I am a Mexican and I lived through the process of turning um, Mexico from an authoritarian regime into a democracy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this process, one could say, culminated in the 2006 election when something very similar happened in Mexico. You had an election that was too close to call. But unlike uh, the process in the United States, where it ended with a decision of the Supreme Court, in Mexico, the, one of the candidates just did not concede the election. Um, he pointed out that the procedure had not been uh, the way it should have been, and um, basically thought that the legal institutions were not legitimate, and claimed that the legitimacy of government had to come back to a popular decision. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he went, he brought his movement to the streets and uh, I was there at some moments in which people claim he m mobilized up to two million people uh, on the street. And it was very interesting to see all that enthusiasm and all that political, the strength of political action. But at the same time, I was very skeptical of claims saying that it is the people who are making the decision. Okay. And it was that contrast that got me going and led me to write the book. What did happen in Mexico? What was um, the outcome? Eventually, the candidate never conceded, but the turn of events were such that um, in the institutions um, just got going and the decision of the um, newly elected president, uh, uh, Felipe Calderón, um, was taken as a de facto decision. As a matter of fact, he was the president, even though Andrés Manuel López Obrador never uh, conceded the election. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about your concept of the people and how it is different from current thinking. Well, my concept of the people is that the people is a process. So okay. it's not a collection of individuals. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a process that unfolds in time. This is quite different from all current views. So let me just tell you about okay. the others and, and okay. why is it different. Um, I think that when you think about the people, most um, individuals in the street, the mm -hmm. most common view is uh, that the people is something like a nation, is perhaps a, a people, right? So you can say, these are the songs of my people or mm -hmm. something of that kind. Um, for example, in the Bible, the uh, Moses is the Pharaoh, let my people go. That is the kind of people that most uh, uh, people in the street have in mind. Mm -hmm. But that's not the one that I have in mind because it's a, that's a cultural construction. And it, it, you could say that it's also you know, an ethnic construction. People are, have family ties eventually. And I'm concerned about a political view of the people. So uh, another one that a uh, view of the people that uh, may come to mind is the people as an economic construction. So mm -hmm. for example, in the occupied movement that has been going on in the last year, it, there's a lot of talk about the people, but it's the 99%. That mm -hmm. is, are those who do not have political power and do not have economic power. And 
the people that I have in mind, the people in that democracy, it's everybody, because everybody is supposed to be free and equal. Mm -hmm. So it presupposes that it's everybody. This happens also when people, uh, another idea that comes to mind is the majority. So in, America, in the American context, uh, especially, when people think about uh, the people's voice or the people have spoken, they have in mind the majority. Mm -hmm. But if you just consider the term majority, it presupposes there's a majority of something. Of, of what? That whole is the people that I have in mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's the demos that rules, the, the demos in the democracy. And, and trying to figure out that whole is what got me going. That's mostly what comes in the idea mm -hmm. of popular sovereignty. And it contrasts with um, my idea of the people as a process that changes in time. Okay, what do you mean by popular sovereignty? I know that's part of the title of your book, and, and you feel it's a problem. Well, popular sovereignty is the idea that there is a supreme authority mm -hmm. in a political community. So in this case, the people is the supreme authority in the political community. Popular sovereignty, like many other terms in political theory, tends to be difficult to define and it's contested. It depends on what's your idea of the people, what's your idea of sovereignty. But I think that most people would agree that sovereignty has to do with the last instance of appeal. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if we go back to the 2000, uh, 2000 elections in the United States, there was a disagreement. And one group um, thought that the people were saying one thing and the other thought that the decision was to be another, and this decision was contested. And there was an appeal, and then another appeal, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. Right. And it was eventually the Supreme Court that made that decision, right? So one could say that it was the Supreme Court that made the, the decision in the last instance, and it was the Supreme Court that was sovereign and not the people. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you, do, if you take it into Mexico, there it was slightly different in that it went all the way to the last instance of legal appeal and it was not decided then. So what is the last instance of appeal? Well, as a matter of fact, it was the people who has to decide what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And one could say that this is something that happens in, in a civil war. It's de facto the people that decides where it's going to go. Or it can be um, by right that the people has a, the right to decide in the last instance. So this is the idea of popular sovereignty as, as it has been in democratic theory for the last 200 years. And it's a very powerful idea. If you think about it, this idea of the people mobilized as the last instance of appeal or the last decider goes hand in hand with the most moving images of democracy. For example, the idea of the French Revolution or the Revolutionary War in the United States, mm -hmm. or the independence wars that kicked out colonial powers throughout the world in the 19th and 20th century. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, of the people together in action, looking for freedom, it's very, very powerful, but it's also very problematic. And those problems are the ones that I try to address in my book. The, and what are those problems? Well, they're, one could say that it's very difficult just to know 
when the people have a voice. So it's almost impossible to have consensus, which is this idea of the people as a collection of individuals coming together to rule themselves. They would have to agree, all of them, at the same time. So it's nearly impossible to have consensus in a big group. But that's not the main concern that I have, because that's very difficult, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. I actually think that it's impossible to do it if you think that the people is a collection of individuals. Why? Well, you have to first know who is everybody. Everybody is not the whole of humankind. It has to be some people. So how do you know who they are? Well, you could say that somebody decides. But the problem is that if somebody decides, then not everybody's free and equal. Mm -hmm. In order to make this important political decision and have everybody free and equal, you'd have to take a vote. But if you take a vote to decide who's going to vote, that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. it, it, you'd, have, you'd need a people to decide who's the people, to decide who's the people, to decide who's the people. That's impossible. So this is not something that I discovered. This is something that people know is a problem for the last 200 years. But in order to avoid it, they just say, well, somebody has to make the first decision, the first call. So it's usually institutions that decide. Mm -hmm. Institutions decide who gets to be a citizen, and, and then you get it going. Mm -hmm. But the problem there is that what happened in Mexico. You know, Lopez, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador said those institutions are not legitimate. If those institutions are not legitimate, then it should be the people who decides who gets to be. And, and the problem there is that the people legitimizes the institutions, and the institutions tell you who are the people. So now you have a vicious circle, not mm -hmm. only a regress. So you have this second very difficult problem, in fact, impossible problem. And the third one is that even if you decide to bypass it and you say, okay, we're just going to assume that these people was there to begin with and we're just going to start, you have the problem of who gave an original permission to say the founding fathers to get it going. And the second one is how, why, even if they have an agreement at the beginning, why are we bound by the decision that they made over time? So you have these three very, very difficult theoretical problems that actually play in reality, as, as we could see in Mexico in 2006, and we could see in the United States in 2000. The question of legitimacy springs up again and again, because you don't have these original beginnings that were uh, legitimate. So looking at these problems, I think that the best way to get out of these problems is to redefine the people. So rather than think that the people is a group of individuals that get together and decide, it, what I decided to do is look at it as an institutional process that mm. unfolds over time. Okay. And, and that would get to these problems. Because you can say that you participate over time, so you can always alter what is going on. Mm -hmm. The voice of the people is being made so you can come in and, and the problem of the original uh, founding of the state does not come up. And uh, the same happens with the legitimizing, mm -hmm. because if you keep it open towards the future, this can be solved as you go along. Okay, let's talk about some of the um, practical implications. Well, as I told you, when I got into this problem, it was not the theoretical problem that I was struck with. It was the 
the political problems that I saw mm -hmm. in the street. So, for example, in the case of, of López Obrador, um, and even in, in the case of the, the United States, but let me begin with Mexico. I think that the most important thing is that the institutions are part of the people. Mm -hmm. You can't simply say um, the people takes, takes it from now on and the institutions are not important. Because and the people make up the institutions. Exactly. The institutions the, wouldn't exist without the people. And the other way around. Right. The people wouldn't exist without the institutions. Mm -hmm. Because it's a process that makes one and the other right. over time. So you can't simply let go of the institutions. However, this is the second implication. It, the people can judge institutions. So mm -hmm. you can have this stance that allows you to say, well, are these institutions legitimate or not? And this is exactly what's going on in Terrier Square throughout last year and all throughout their Arab countries. The people are in fact saying, what is the legitimacy of these institutions? But you cannot simply ignore them. You have, mm -hmm. it's the over, the, the play back and forth mm -hmm. over time that would allow you to say, what is the legitimacy of these institutions? And the third one, which I consider is the most important, is that if the people is a process unfolding over time, you cannot claim that the people have said something. Mm -hmm. The people are always speaking. So you can say that there are certain decisions that are influenced by the interplay of ideas that are still going on. But you cannot claim the people to yourself. That is, a, this theoretical a account allows you to say why it is wrong to say I represent the ultimate decision of the people at mm -hmm. a given time. So I think that this is something that we can see every time that there is a popular mobilization as it happened uh, last year in the mm -hmm. Middle East and whenever you have claims of a leader to speak for the people. I see. Very interesting. Thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing some of your work. You're welcome. For more information about Professor Ochoa and her work, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Macmillan Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report made possible by the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale.